Tron. You want a championship? You gotta grind. When them bright lights shine and this game go nine, they gon' cover the story not quite like rhyme. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why who got fine. Prime, time, got the game statistics. I could say, if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now Raw Mind Sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close like a coach's assistant. You wanna be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is Raw Mind Sports, another edition. Welcome, welcome to another edition of Raw Mind Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Jones Sr. And I got my main man from WREL Sports, Pat Wilter here. And Pat Wilter must was feeling the, the intro. I, I got to make a few changes because Trey Lance ain't with us no more. But we'll work on that. Raw thoughts. Raw thoughts is unscripted. <laughs> That's what stood out to me. I was like, oh, Trey Lance. I forgot you're a 49ers fan. I'm like, what could have been? <laughs> <laughs> Woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? <laughs> So with that being said, we got Pat Welter here, man. You know, you go ahead and let everybody know who you are for the viewers who don't know. So you can kind of give them a short description, Raw Thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Sports reporter, WRAL TV, local news uh, in uh, Raleigh, Durham area, all the way out to Fayetteville, all the way out to you guys in Tarboro and the Rocky Mount area. So I cover UNC, NC State, Duke, the Hurricanes, and of course, the Carolina Panthers, which uh, that season is, is going south quickly, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I keep the hope alive for the Panthers fans out there. So I got um, I'm gonna ask an intriguing question before we get into this. I'm gonna give you two um topics, but here's one, and it was raw. I, and by the way, people, it's raw, so I'm quite sure he's gonna um put a tweak or a twist to it. So here we go, raw thoughts. How do you feel about Colorado's new state of mind? We got primetime Dion that you saw in the in- intro. Like, how are you feeling? These guys, I mean, Travis Hunter is out the next two games. So just give me a quick raw talk before we get into your topics. I mean, everything he's got the Midas touch right now, right? Like everything he touches is gold. He wears sunglasses, they fly <laughs> off the shelves. He's got the rock, he's got rappers performing on the field in the locker room. I mean, it's crazy. And the downside is it puts a huge target on your back, right? And quite literally on Travis Hunter, who's now dealing with a really serious injury. It's hard, you know, which was a dirty play, right? It's pretty no way around it, the way that he got hit. Now, how that's been handled afterwards by the fan, can't say I I condone that either, you know, kind of going after this kid with death threats and his family. I mean, that's that's pretty dark. So it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot (laughs) going out of Colorado. But, I mean, geez, the ratings on that Colorado-Colorado State game alone were some of the most in ESPN's history. Right. That's crazy. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm interested to see like how he sustains it. You know, it's been three games. They haven't lost yet. So how do you keep that kind of bravado going when things turn south? Because it does. It's college football. You're going to lose eventually to somebody. Yeah, and that's for me. Like, like the ratings have been so high. Let's be real. We, we're on the East Coast, Pat. And on the East Coast, ain't nobody stand up late. Two o'clock in the morning to see a game like that, like Colorado State in Colorado, but it happened. So many people, social media is on madness, and we're sitting here saying, like, man, I'm seeing people all, all week, the whole day. Well, excuse me, not all week, but Saturday and Sunday saying that, uh, hey, man, um, man, I ain't never stayed up this late for a game. The power of one man, a brand who can pull people, and no matter what, he's confident about it, whether you like it or not, he still have people. Waiting to see if he's going to win, 
is he gonna lose or he's gonna have a crowd out and over there i know that mountain time is two hours behind but it's the it's the principle like people really stayed up on the east coast till about two o'clock in the morning i raw thoughts i fell asleep woke back up the game was still going so I said, hey, at least I saw the end of the game. So, you know, so yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> the TV was there. But to see this, 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 this aura about Colorado, these fans, and, and the thing about it, you know, like typical PR as in media, you know, most people PRs, if you go into a media room, your PR probably tell you, hey, say this, say this. Basically, like Rothall said, say the right thing. Say the right. right thing and make sure you're saying it in a way it doesn't come off the wrong way. Oh, no. DM threw the book out. Primetime threw the book out, baby. He said, look, be who you are, who you are, whatever. He's talking smack the whole week. Everything is personal. He got his son out there being cocky. Travis Hunter was being cocky. Before the game, they're out there being cocky. They walking around with bling blah on their hands, you know. And I like it. I like it for the sport. It's entertaining, but it's also the way of, you know, backing it up. Only thing I hate about it now is we'll see. I know DM's going to get a lot of recruits next season, but Travis Hunter, Possibly could have been a Heisman candidate. Probably still is. Um, two crucial games are coming up. They're playing against Oregon. Then they're playing against another bad man in Kayla Williams at USC. Yeah. In two weeks. And, though, when you talk about timing, like, timing matters. And of all times, even though we know the situation happened, two huge games. And Travis Hunter could have made a big, big statement in these two games. But go ahead, Pat. Enough of me talking. Oh, well, I was going to say, you're not going to have to stay up late anymore because that USC game will be played at nine in the morning, West Coast time. <laughs> That's what so, they're doing. Woo! Yes, Lord. Yes. Hey, nine a.m. West Coast, 12, 12 noon for us. Everybody's trying to get that money, right? Everyone's chasing these, these conferences, realignment, TV deals. Colorado right. is where the money's at right now. That's where the eyeballs are. So they're doing whatever they can to get as many people watching those games as possible. And I can't wait to see it. Um, I also can't wait to see what he does next because he built Jackson State, uh, right. who lost to local here, NC Central, uh, <laughs> in the championship, which people like to conveniently forget that NC Central right. went in there and upset them. And that's kind of what you open yourself up to when you talk that much talk. Yeah, Everybody's going to give you their best shot. Ooh. So Dion clearly ain't afraid of it because as a player – on the Dallas Cowboys, the Atlanta Falcons, played baseball as well with the Atlanta Braves. Don't he didn't care. 49ers. 49ers, he, he always <laughs> So I don't know why. I've doubted him really this whole time. I was like, oh, he's coaching high school. He's coaching his kids. Okay, all right. He thinks he can go straight to a power five. Oh, I mean, I, you know, it, maybe you underestimate him, right, because he does talk so much, because he's a cornerback, because he doesn't, you know – portray himself as an X's and O's kind of guy, you know? So maybe there's just intrinsic biases and how he represents himself, but clearly he knows how to run a program, build a program, build a brand. And if he does jump ship from Colorado, or even if he stays, it seems like in a few years when he gets not just the skill players in there, but the big bodies, the linemen on both ends, that this could be, you know, the closest thing we've seen since the Miami hurricanes. And the Ooh. one that they had. Oh my God! And I said that the other day on a on my previous podcast. I said, could they be like the next um, Miami U? And I said, would they be better, less than, or the same? Some people gave me the opinion. They said it might not be, might be this, 
somewhat the same, but not better because they don't. Think I mean, that's Kansas national be championships there. we're talking about. That's a really yeah. high bar. <laughs> um, but you know, like I said, I'm going to stop doubting him. You know what I mean? He's delivered every step. So with that being said, since Dion has came and and put his presence on college football. How do you think it has, it has affected Clemson? Clemson's been – they got beat pretty bad first week. So, like, like tell me how's that affected his recruiting, um, Dabo. Well, I don't know if it's directly, you know, affected them. But, you know, I think what we're seeing around college football right now is a little flattening of the curve. We've had this run here of Georgia and Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State, and then pretty much everybody else. And – People that argued against the expanded college football playoff typically were right because the fourth team that would come in there, whether it was Notre Dame, whoever it would be, would get blown out half the time. But this is a year, first time that I've seen in this playoff era, where you truly could have a legitimate depth of 12 teams that feel like they could potentially win it from, you know, your Notre Dames, even even UNC right now in the ACC. Um, take it on down the line. Texas, Georgia, um, USC. Why not throw Colorado in there? Florida State. I mean, just go down the list. Like, it's a, anybody's game right now. So I think that's what we're seeing. It's interesting. Like, obviously, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, there's conference realignment. There's NIL. Um, there's 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 so much money in college football right now that there's it's just all these areas around the country are funneling their resources into it, and it's making it harder for the dynasties to persist. That said. Georgia's won back to back, and Alabama's basically been in the playoff every year for ten years. So, it hasn't quite crossed over yet, but it feels like it's going in that direction. So, so with that being said, we're gonna go into a topic that I know you're very, very familiar with. And by the way, this show is sponsored by Essential Collections. Essential Collections by Monica Rich. She has bath products, bar soaps, facials, lotions, skin cream, skin conditioner. She has care packages. For kids, for children, for people like you, I should have told you about it, Pat. You might would have had a gift, a birthday gift for you, for yeah, your wife. Wife's birthday was so I mean, <laughs> No, no. So no worries. We gotta figure. We're gonna get this right. So shout out to her. Use the um, promo code Raw Mind. Use promo code Raw Mind. You get a fifteen percent discount. www.essentialcollections.square.site. So now we're gonna go to a topic that you're familiar with. ACC football. Do you have a certain team? that you think is going to come out the pack, like, out of anybody? Because right now, it looks like he's pretty close. But I'm going to let you talk about it since you're covering a lot of ACC football teams. Well, sure. Well, kind of to the last segment we had, it feels like it's anybody's game. And Florida State seems like the one right now. But Florida State nearly lost to Boston College last week. (laughs) One of the worst teams in the conference. So, you know, I don't know. You know, and Florida State's got a huge game this weekend at Clemson. Um, and sure, Clemson's down because, you know, Duke came in, punched them right in the mouth and showed them that, it. you know, the Kings, there's there's blood in the water and the Sharks will come. You know, I love that line <laughs> from Iron Man too. And that's what the ACC <laughs> is right now where you got, I think, a mix of Duke, Clemson, Florida State, and UNC, uh, all with real viable chances to, to win this conference. And for me, um, one of the surprising teams for me, honestly, because like every single year we already know for the past few years, one team that we know not really been outstanding in football, but came to a great start. And that's Duke. We know them for basketball, but we never knew them for football. And I know they had cut lift. They had a few other coaches in there. 
It seems like they were saying like, hey, we've been on the porch for a long time. Now we're grown. Now we're teenagers. We're free to get off the porch. Now they come out swinging. Now they coming out 3-0, and but they have a tough one. I'm not going to say this week, but I know next week against Notre Dame, and I'm really intrigued to see what Duke is going to get. Duke, what are your raw thoughts about Duke? Don't underestimate Dion. Don't underestimate <laughs> Mike Elko. And this guy's got the complete opposite approach. After they upset Clemson, I went in there and I was trying to bait him a little bit. I'm like, Mike, are you going to challenge us all in here that we didn't believe like Dion? And he just said, nope. Next question. <laughs> he wanted none of that noise. He wanted none of those headlines. All they want to do is work. And, you know, there are two different ways of running your program. Both can be right. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people fall in one camp or the other, and that's okay. Um, you know, not everybody's comfortable with that kind of target on their back. Right, Duke right. Plays, Duke plays the underdog role well. And, I mean, it's similar to Colorado in the sense that they don't necessarily have the level of athlete that it that necessarily usually re- yields these kind of results. You're going against Clemson, who's had top 10 recruiting classes for a decade. You know what I mean? Right, and Duke right, right. Is two years removed from losing every single game in the ACC. And they still have a lot of those same players. It's incredible what they've done. And it starts with having a great quarterback that was kind of a diamond in the rough and Riley Leonard, developing him, developing the players they did have. Uh, I know their strength and conditioning program is top notch. And they pay attention to all the details. That's the thing, you know, they, they deliver on the details, the little things that kind of coach speak you hear. They do it, and you see the results we get on the football field. And, yeah, Duke's got a tough couple of games coming up. They're going to play U- UConn this week, which they should win. Then it's Notre Dame, and that's <laughs> where things get real. And if you knocked off Clemson and Notre Dame in the same season, then, oh, buckle up, because you've got rival NC State and then Florida State the week after that. So. Woo! This could yeah. be all good coming to an end, but we'll see. <laughs> I, there is no way. I mean, it's hard to believe that they would get through that unscathed. But if you if they beat one of two of Notre Dame and and and, and Florida State, I mean, that, that's all. I mean, what more you need to see to believe in this team? And I mean, like it's like what are the sta- what's the standard, right? Like, <laughs> oh. Duke didn't make the college football playoff. What a disappointment. It's like, what? That's what we're talking about. Like, that's, right, that's crazy. Right. right. So, for me, now I'm going to go to the other side of the fence. Um, Carolina Tar Heels, UNC. Um, how far do you think they can make it? Because they have this situation with Tez Walker. Do you think these guys can still make it to the college football playoffs without him? Because it seems like the situation mm-hmm. is a lot but it also seems like he's a very important piece to what they were trying to do this season. So, like, like, tell me what you think about it. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they brought up the point, would UNC be going this far to get a player eligible if it wasn't of the caliber of somebody like Tez Walker? Now, I don't know that for sure. I do think they would fight for them, but it certainly doesn't hurt that this guy could be the missing puzzle piece to a potential conference championship run. And I think you saw that last week versus Minnesota when they get Nate McCollum back. And he was the other transfer receiver they had. They had these two transfer receivers come in, and they basically somehow pinpointed exactly what they were missing in Antoine Green and Josh Downs, who had been their leading receivers the last couple of years. Tez Walker was more the Antoine Green type. We saw that in the spring game. 
He came in, scored a touchdown. The other guy who scored in the spring game was Dave McCollum, who I asked Mac Brown what kind of impact he had in the game against Minnesota, 15 receptions, 165 yards, and a touchdown. <clears throat> and Mac Brown said, he's Josh Downs. Woo! Yeah. So you, you saw what that can do. As good as Drake May is, in a lot of sense, you can still only be as good as your weapons who you're throwing the ball to. And May can play with anybody, but having a true go-to guy like McCollum to move the sticks on third down, to, to even find deep down the field, unlock the offense in a whole different way. And that was a game where Minnesota took away the run, forced them to pass, which is like forcing them to pass. Drake May, big, you know, great. Force us to pass, awesome. Knock yourself out. But in this sense, they were able to take advantage of it. Um, and their offense is scary because they they fixed – last time I was on with you, we talked about all the things <laughs> that UNC was fixing, the defense, right. the run right. game, and they've right. done both. So this is where we're going to put raw thoughts on Pat Welton. Who you got? ACC Championship, a quick prediction. Who you can see there. <laughs> well, they got rid of the divisions, right? And it seems like everybody gets to play. All of our teams get to play Florida State. Quick look at the schedule. Duke's going to play Florida State. North Carolina does not have to play Florida State. Right. So you're looking at North Carolina's schedule. It's a nice path. Like, as much as I love Duke, and I could see Duke even beating UNC. UNC's got the easier road here. And Florida State's got a really tough schedule. So I, I like UNC. And, you know, it's as I say that word coming out of my mouth, they've disappointed so much the last couple of years. Like, this is a team <laughs> that has underperformed their talent. But to Mac Brown's credit, he's all the things I would write in a column and I have written in a column in the past criticizing them, you know, not enough grit, not enough pay attention to the details. Their run game, it, their offense is boom or bust. Well, they changed the coordinator. They changed the culture. They've got player-led team. Like, they fixed all their problems. And if Drake May really is that guy, he's the best quarterback in the conference. And yeah. I would say Jordan Travis is probably the second best in the conference. So I like Florida State to beat Clemson this week. And I like Florida State and UNC to play for the conference title. I'm sure. Why not? Raw thoughts. Oh, I like that. I like that. It was raw thoughts. UNC's I like winning it. the conference. <laughs> raw thoughts. So – what is what is your take on NC State? Do you think they're underachieving to what they were supposed to be? Because prediction wise, it seems like they're supposed to be the best defense in the in the conference. To what I saw, what what are your thoughts? I mean, I would say they had been one of, if not the best defense in the conference the last two years, them and Clemson. But you know, you're losing, you know, Drake Thomas. You're losing Isaiah Moore, um, and they've. They're just replacing a lot of pieces and a lot of guys that had been there for the last few years, you know, with COVID. NC State's a program that Dave Dorn doesn't recruit necessarily the highest end talent, but they develop really well. And right. all these guys getting in that extra COVID year really helped that program compete at the level they did. Two years ago, last year, they had the Devin Leary injury, so they never really got to reach their potential. And this is like a transition. You know, I talked about UNC kind of addressing their problems. Well, Dave Doran has as well. And their offense had kind of been stuck in a gear. It had been very conservative, very complimentary with their defense. And this year they bring in a new offensive coordinator, Robert and I, and a new quarterback. Right. And it's a totally different look. And part right, of it to right. me is almost like, I don't want to call it like midlife crisis, but it is kind of like, 
if all of a sudden like you or me come home to our wives and we got like totally different like high fashion clothes on a new haircut <laughs> you know is that really us so we're right, trying to right. we're, we're trying to find out how how clothes fit at unc and so far to me a weakness i see in it is, is the run game you know it reminds me a little bit of, of unc last year with drake may like that's what they're doing with brennan armstrong it's a lot of brennan armstrong and it seems like you know when you play a tougher team like they did against notre name that kind of offense can break down um it looks great against you know vmi and it might look great against virginia this week but I'm not sure how it's going to stack up against the tougher, tougher competition on their schedule. Oh, we shall see. We shall shall see. And again, these topics are sponsored by Sims Collections, a Sims Collection by Monica Rich. Now we're going to go to the professional world and everybody's favorite topic in North Carolina, the good, the bad, the ugly, they get it all, the raw thoughts. The state of the Panthers. What are your raw thoughts? And by the way, you went to the first game, traveled, you went to Atlanta, you had a chance to cover them in Atlanta. You, you packed all the bags. I think you took the suitcase and all. You didn't you couldn't just drive to the stadium. You had to be like the Flintstones. You had to walk on feet with all yep. the all the pack bags and all that stuff. So um yeah, T- tell us what you think so far. I'm a fan of Bryce Young, but I'm quite sure you got some detailed information for me. All right. This is a safe space, right? <laughs> It is raw thoughts. <laughs> this is the fear in the back of every Carolina Panthers fan's mind right now. And I'm going to say it out loud. And it's that everything they said about Bryce Young being too small might have been right. And, and Frank Reich wasn't their first choice as head coach. And that might have been the wrong call as well. Who was the first? Who was the one that had it? Was it Steve Wilson? I mean, I'm not okay. sure the exact, you know, the exact one. I got you, I got you. They were looking at different guys. Ben Johnson, the offense coordinator on the lines. They looked at very yeah, I got you, I got you. thorough search uh, as, you, as, as ownership would like to tell you there. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the Frank Reich hire. I get it. Like, he seemed like a guy that had a good handle on quarterbacks. Um, and not necessarily anything wrong with the Bryce Young pick. I do think he was the safest of, of the quarterbacks taken in this year's draft. But when you watch the team right now, you see him. And you see the criticisms unfold upon themselves. He doesn't have the physical traits to transcend the game immediately. Now, that's not to say he can't eventually, but it's going to take some time. And then the fact that that seems to be the case raises the question, was that worth then trading up to get him? Because now you've got a problem of this season, all that talk about the division that seems like that's out the window, right? You're already 0-2. Everybody else is 2-0. And, and everybody else is already 2-0 already, and they're starting 0-2. That, that doesn't make it good. And you don't have your first-round pick next year because you traded Ooh. it to go up to get Bryce Young. So this team, David Tepper's been doubling down. You know, he's a, he's a hedge fund guy, but he's been gambling as an owner. <laughs> and he's been doubling down on, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, you know, and they've been using a lot of draft capital to make some of these moves, and they haven't hit on the draft picks that they did have. So they're in the red here. And at a certain Ooh. point, you can't keep doubling down. At a certain point, the house is going to come and collect its money. <laughs> and that's the problem they have right now, where you looked at this team last year, like, okay, they were almost in the playoffs, maybe should have been in the playoffs, you know, if it wasn't for a DJ Moore ripping off his helmet. Without a quarterback at all, they played P.J. Walker. They played Sam Tarnold. They played Baker Mayfield. It was a disaster. But the misnomer there was 
you know, that this team was ready, you know, and that, that they had the skilled players to do it. And they don't. So that's what you see. Like, Bryce Young has struggled. It's concerning to me. I'm not calling him a bust yet. I don't think Tom Brady would succeed well in this offense right now. Whew. You know what I mean? They're down yeah. two starters on the offensive line, and they have some of the worst skilled players in the league. So it's dire times, and that's the fear, right, for the Panthers, is that, oh, my God, if we missed on Bryce Young, which we got ways to go with that, you know, if we if we missed on the coach, where are we going to be? And that could take years to get out of. And, and that's the wrong thoughts I was going to go with. Like, I know they went after Bryce Young. I hate the situation with DJ Moore where they tried to move up. And maybe Thielen is a – he's an older receiver, so I think he yeah. plays probably better with younger, leather guys who take the pressure off of him. And if you need him for a possession, a third and five, that's where you go to Thielen because he'll be a, a security blanket. Um, the thing that I get out of the Panthers, and you probably help me with, is like, do you really think Frank Wright was the coach? Were they trying to hope and pray and bank on a guy who was a quarterback to, like, help mold it? And now also say, with that, he got Bryce on now. You bring in Frank Wright to supposedly be the I'm 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 assuming the reason his raw thoughts is what I'm assuming is that you brought him in because you were going to get a quarterback and you want a quarterback friendly coach to be able to kind of groom and, and prep the quarterback or the franchise quarterback for the Panthers. The bad part about this is it's a lot of quarterbacks coming out of college next year. And if the Panthers can stink it up, I don't like you said, if they don't have a first round pick. Now it hits you. But this is curiosity in the situation. If they had a first-round pick with all these quarterbacks coming out, would the Panthers say, you know what, we're going to draft the quarterback again? Well, I think looking at the, how the Miami Dolphins handled their, their rebuild <laughs> is an interesting way to frame it uh, because they went through that, right? Like they had Josh Rosen in there, and they cut paid on that real quick, and they took Tua. And, but the way they did their rebuild, they bottomed out completely. They had uh, Brian Flores in there coaching, and it seemed like they were tanking. And then he <laughs> kind of refused to tank. And then there's all this, you know, there's all uh, that whole situation kind of blew up with the owner Oof. and Flores and some tampering and all this stuff happened. But the thing that they did well was that they acquired a lot of draft picks and that they were able to get a lot of talent. And so Tua is a similar comp to um, – Bryce Young, where two was struggling. At first. <laughs> they brought him in. They sat him. They played uh, Fitzpatrick. Flores ends up getting fired. Right, still there. But then finally, they get the right coach in there. They get the skill players in there, and they are thriving. They're a potential Super Bowl team. So whether we right. look, when you look at the Panthers. You know they've got Bryce Young, but they don't have much around them. So they, if they're going to do this rebuild, they got to do it right, and it, they, they're so far behind the eight ball on it that it, that it's concerning. So you're talking about next year. Um, what will they do with the draft pick? I mean, they were in a tough spot, right? Like it's been so miserable for Panthers fans for so long Whew, since right. what they missed the playoffs I think six straight years, basically since the Cam Newton era. The Matt Rule era yeah. was brutal, and fans yes, it was on Monday night <laughs> were, were booing at halftime. They were booing Bryce Young in the second half, but it's just because they've seen so much of this terrible football. It's kind of they over it, pretty much. Yeah, so I understand from an ownership perspective what Tepper was like, all right, screw the retread quarterback thing. We're not going to bring in David Carr. We're going to draft somebody, and if we're going to do it, we're going to go get the guy. And that's what they did. So I don't fault the logic, but ultimately, if you could step back from that and be like, all right, 
do we really like this class enough? You know, is it really worth it when you've got Caleb Williams, who seems like a true transcendent talent, and Drake May, who's – I wouldn't say that level, but I still would say he was better prospect than the three quarterbacks from last year's draft. So could you got you Rattlers, have- Bench Rattler, and even, I think Dion actually said he wasn't, but if Shador could come Shador. Out, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, Shador. I think Shador's going to find his way up there if he comes out. Um, so – if you could have like waited, if you could have just found your coach and then kind of draft the best player available at that that slot where they would have been and then look at next year for a court, you, kind of, you had Sam Darnold, you know, if you could have kind of duct taped together, almost tank, if you will. But it was hard to sell out to the fans. You know what I mean? It would have been hard to sell it to the fans, but here we are and they're tanking without even intentionally doing it. They're trying to win and they're still losing. So that's arguably worse. Prediction. What's the record for the Carolina Panthers from you? right like as bad as it feels they lost that game by three on monday night now you could say that was kind of a faulty score you know like you know they got a garbage time touchdown a garbage time two-point conversion really wasn't a three-point game uh the first game they lose by 14 but they had three turnovers and two of them were on their own end that led to 10 points so Mm. Frank Reich did say after the game, he's like, look, I've seen this before. We're not that far away. And Bryce Young, yes, he's looked small. He hasn't looked like, you know, he hasn't popped off the screen, you know, the way Anthony Richardson has, the way even C.J. Stroud has. But he's competent. He's not turning it over left and right. He's not making a ton of mistakes. He's not Zach Wilson out there. So it's a long way to say I think they could get to five. Five or six. <laughs> That's it. I got you. <laughs> I'm saying it like, yeah, I, I can see that. Because I'm still trying to figure out, like, is even Houston a better situation than the Panthers? Are they kind of, like, both in the same boat? Like, you got C.J. Stroud there. Do you think Bryce Young, if they were to switch the two quarterbacks, would it still be the same? Well, C.J. Stroud, you know, that's the thing with him. Like, he was – he's bigger. He's got a stronger arm. He was a great distributor of the football. Um, you know, but Houston doesn't have a ton of weapons either. Right. You know, like there's not Nico Collins, Damian Pierce. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have any of those guys on your fantasy team either. I so. know that's all I'm about to say. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they got a new coach I'm about to too. Say fantasy. <laughs> D'Amico Ryan. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's just running the program better over there. I, I don't even know who their offensive coordinator is in Houston. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I don't know the answer. Yes, yeah, a lot of 49ers um coordinators a lot of them in miami they mm. left but with mike bedane then i think one or two guys may came from san francisco from um from um houston but on another end i'm, I'm gonna leave that topic and we're gonna go to this one more topic before i get him off the show i hit him up for 30 minutes he has um a, 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 a fine nice family to handle and, and deal with so here we go uh what I do on Raw Mind Sports, I call it the Raw Thought Sports Minute. That means that Pat has just entered the Raw Thought Zone, which means he can give Raw Thoughts on any sports topic. And the reason why I'm saying it just like this, I had to write out a while back, Pat. I had Raw Thoughts Minute. I had to write out Raw Thought Sports Minute. I had a guy that was up here, Pat, who came up here. Raw Thoughts and people, you're about to hear this, and, and Pat might laugh. He's like, oh, boy, this is wrong. So I asked him about the raw thoughts minute, and the first thing this kid says, or this guy says, excuse me, not kid, but guy says, is, uh, have you ever got caught, you know, doing what you're doing and the father 
of your girlfriend catches you. I said that has nothing to do with raw thought sports. He said, I thought it was a raw thought. I said, I have put it in my head that I have to literally explain this topic. So that's why I'm explaining it to you, although you probably knew that. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I will refrain from any of uh, those kind of stories that I may or may not have. Um, and I, I was also refrain from giving raw thoughts on those Stanley Cup giant cups that women seem to carry around everywhere. It's still all over everything. And I see you with your giant gallon of water there. Respect. You ain't spilling that. But my raw thoughts, sports raw thoughts, Sam Howe. What now? What now, everybody? <laughs> I wrote at the time, him going in the fifth round showed that nobody knows what they're doing with quarterback evaluations. They have no idea. Nobody knows. That's what's so crazy about this position. The Sam Howe story blows my mind. He takes, he starts as a freshman at UNC. He's a highly touted prospect coming out of high school. He elevates that entire program, takes them to the Orange Bowl, has a potential to be going into his uh, junior season projected as maybe the first pick taken in that draft. And then because that season goes in the tank, UNC's around 500 to really no fault of Sam Howe. He falls to the fifth round. Why? Because he was running the ball. Cause he was scrambling because he was trying to make plays. He developed some bad habits. I would say during that year in that Phil Longo offense, it was very boomer bust. So I could see how maybe for evaluating, you see uh, is this going to translate? He's smaller. He's built like Baker Mayfield. How is this going to translate? But the dude can throw. That guy filming his games were just was mesmerizing at times. The plays that he would make, and so maybe it was it was the style of play. Maybe it was the personality. He's quiet, a little bit aloof, but not a bad guy. I never heard anybody say a bad thing about him. I see him on the sidelines of different games. Drake May daps him up immediately. Josh Down. Every, everybody seems to love the guy that played with him, including Mac Brown, who coached him. And what do you know? He comes in, starter now for the Washington Commanders, with Eric Bieniemy run that offense, and he looks like a real starter in this league. Leads that comeback, beats Russell Wilson, a quarterback <laughs> everybody would have wanted two years ago, and now Sam yeah. Howe's leading comebacks and throwing absolute dimes. It looks like he's got a real chance to be a franchise quarterback. So what now? I was in on Sam Howe, and I'm going to – Raw thoughts, I was right. <laughs> and it's crazy. Like, and by the way, we did not prep this show. We didn't, um, like, come together with topics. So I'm going to go to the other end of this. My raw thoughts, man, is Airbnb. I swear, and this is raw thoughts, he looks like he's at peace. Even though he won a couple of Super Bowls in Kansas City, he just looks like he's happy. Like, seeing him on mm. one touchdown drive, I even – Looked at it over and over today. Like, he reminded me of my Uncle Charles. My Uncle Charles, by the way. Shout out to my Uncle Charles. He has season tickets to the Commanders. He's been a diehard Commanders guy all his life. And my Uncle Charles, whenever he watched Football Sunday with me, when he used to, because this year he's been at the games because of season tickets, he would do that high five, that dap, that dap. I didn't even see that in Kansas City for Airbnb. When um, Robinson ran the ball, it was like a half-bad draw, got an end zone. Just seeing, you know, Airbnb dapping up, being happy, smiling. Like, sometimes you just need an opportunity. And it kills the show. Maybe he was stressed in Kansas City. Although he won his championships, mm -hmm. he probably felt like at the end of the day, he could call plays. But in reality, in Kansas City, it's still Andy Reid's team. 
and Andy right. Reid is still the head honcho, who is still a guy who loves it. He's always been an offensive guy, so he's probably calling plays. Now you have Matt Nagy there, a little different. But now every enemy gets to go to a team with a defensive-minded head coach. He doesn't have to worry about that coach trying to tell him how to call his plays, even though he is the head person in charge. He still actually has like he has more freedom. That two and no, I know people say you got a long season to go, but when I see a guy like Airbnb Enemy doing that dap and high fiving and all that and looking celebrate, he didn't even do that. But probably the best quarterback in football last season. He was just okay. But when you're doing it and you got Sam Howell, you got these young boys, they are a sneaky team, a very dark horse team. And I'm gonna give raw thoughts right now. And everybody in Cowboys fans talking, you pump your brakes. Airbnb enemy is going to give you a game. I don't care how good that defense is in the NFC East. Pump your brakes. Airbnb enemy is coming for a head coaching job, and he knows it starts right now as the OC of the commanders. And if he starts doing that, you better get ready. It's a long night. But go ahead. Uh. <laughs> no, well said. I'm with you, oh, man. My, oh, and he's still good, right? Because he knows he's the head coach in waiting there, right? Like Ron Rivera is on the way out. That's why they brought him in. It's all good. <laughs> he's got a job lined up for him, and he's got a quarterback stepping in. What yeah. more can you ask for? It's my guy Tyler Cannon, man. Fans up. Look, because me and Tyler used to talk a lot when the, when, the, when the fans were sorry. We beat him last season. But by the way, I'm going to go ahead and say this on air for you, Tyler. You got most of the coaching staff in the 49ers, so you should be thanking me instead of talking about fans up. You should be saying Niners up. You're Niners East Coast. We got Niners West Coast, and we got the Niners East Coast, and that's what you are yeah. right now. Kyle Shanahan, man. man, that tree, <laughs> that coaching tree. I don't know what it is, that zone running scheme. Nobody can figure it out since his right. dad and Terrell Davis, man. It's crazy. It's been running that for 20 years. And that's my main man, Sid Stokes, diehard Duke fan. You know, it's my main man, too. And we both 49ers fans. But, like, the zone read, like you were saying, like, Kyle Shanahan. You think about the guys that was playing in Washington when Archie Three was there. You had Sherman Bay on that staff. You had a lot of guys on that staff. Sherman Bay went his way. Right. Yep. They, um, Kirk Cousins. Then you have the office coordinator that was at the head coach for um the Minnesota now. Mike McDaniel was somewhere lurking. I don't know what he was doing. He probably was a video guy. But yeah, you had, run coordinator so, or something. Yeah, then you have him in San Francisco. Now he gets to be the run game coordinator for sure. Now he becomes a head coach. A lot of people talk about how good Mike McDaniel is um, for his position and what he's doing. Then you have Sean McVay. Then you have a few guys, offense court. It was a guy, not necessarily Nathaniel Hackett, but it's another offense coordinator who went with Rob Salah to the Jets. But Nathaniel right. Hackett is an offense guy. Yeah, so – a lot of the trees, a lot of the people are there, man. And that's, I tell you what, if you could work under them, if you get under Kyle Shanahan, you got your job. You may won't have his job, but you got your job. And um, I'm just, I'm just excited to see the NFL is about to become a Kyle Shanahan offense. <laughs> you know, <laughs> outside the only person that may not become a Kyle Shanahan offense is Andy Reid and and Patrick Mahomes. But that's what it's looking like, and it's looking like they keep getting more and more coaches. He's had a huge turnover in coaches. A lot of coaches have left to to do their own thing. But um, those are my raw thoughts. That was my raw thoughts, man. Airbnb enemy, high five, and I, I got to keep doing this because like he was, I never seen him so happy, man. Like I got to see this clip. It looks like a meme yeah, right there. Like a- yeah, 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 yeah. And, and them guys, he was so happy, he was smiling at him. It's the touchdown in the fourth quarter, under ten minutes. It's B.J. Robinson, and B.J. Robinson jumps 
it's like he was like like they do the um the Lambo leap, but except he did the leap in the Mile High Stadium to some Commander fans, and then right. the screen, the camera flips directly to uh, Airbnb. Perfect timing, and they flipped to him. He was doing this with the coaches. I'm like, ah, perfect timing. But um, raw thoughts minutes over with. Raw mind sports is officially done. Pat, go ahead and let people know where they can find you and um, any more raw thoughts before we get off. <laughs> no, man, I feel like I emptied the chamber. I got it out. I feel I feel uh, cleansed. We got the raw thoughts out. Hit it all. UNC, Duke, NC State, Carolina Panthers. Man, it's good to have football season back. I feel like my brain's just just drenched in happy chemicals all the time right now. And, uh, <laughs> Wednesday, we got Thursday Night Football tomorrow. I'm anchoring WRAL throughout the weekend. Uh, so I got you, you covered there. And, uh, yeah, man, more of our thoughts pouring out. I'm <laughs> out. But they're, they're filling back up. I'll have more to come tomorrow in the next couple of days. <laughs> I already got my dopamine, but with that being said, Raw Mind, Raw Thoughts is out. Subscribe to all the content I have. Raw Mind Sports Podcast is available on all podcast players. Tickering down, if you're watching, tickering down the screen. But if not, Raw Mind Sports, just go find it. Go to whatever your favorite platform is. Raw Thoughts is out.